It's time for Silver and Black Today Game Day. We're breaking down the Raiders' upcoming game and bring you in-depth analysis from National Football Insiders. Let's get the nation fired up. Here are your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. Happy Sunday. We're just hours away from the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, their biggest game since 2016, their biggest game over the last several seasons. Why? Win and you're in the playoffs. Lose and you snooze the rest of the winter. It's an old school AFC West gunfight. The gunslinger, Derek Carr, three in a row. He's looking to take his beleaguered team who've gone through so much in 2021 to the playoffs for the first time in over five years. Then you have Justin Herbert. He is, to give the Eagles credit for their song, the new kid in town. He's a gunslinger too. Who's going to prevail? Who's going to blink? Who's going to get the last shot to win this game? Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, game day. I'm Scott Cobranson, joined today by my co-host, our Padawan here at Silver and Black uh, today, game day. That is Mr. David Stepanian. And David, I mean, you cannot ask for, especially with what this team has been through, my man, the fact that they're here with nine wins, a chance to go double digits on wins and to get in the playoffs, who would have thunk? Yeah, Scott, I mean, this is absolutely insane. If, if you told me a month ago that we're going to be sitting here talking about the Raiders on the last day of the season, a uh, win and you're in situation. This is, this was the furthest thing from the, from my mind after the Hobbs or after, after, uh, Gruden and rugs, uh, I mean, Ruggs, yeah. after that loss in New York. I mean, then you, you had some stinkers against Kansas city. Uh, yeah, I, I can't believe the Raiders are in this situation, but like you said, this is the biggest game for the silver and black. I think it's actually a bigger game than five years ago when they played Houston in the playoffs because at least Derek Carr is actually playing. Tonight. Yes, yes. Carr wasn't. Yeah, Carr was injured in that last game. This is uh, a healthy with Waller back. This is a much healthier Raiders team than five years ago in that actual playoff game. And this is basically a playoff game tonight, so it should be exciting. Yeah, and I know you're on your way down to the stadium, so look for David. Uh, he will hit up your tailgate. He will take your food and drink, right, David? I mean, you're I'll be ready. At the Madden bus. You'll be in the that's right. The Madden bus yeah, I'll be, will be I'll down be there. The Madden bus. It'll be down there. Uh, by the way, also, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, David, because the Madden family will light the torch tonight. National team, what a better way, not a better, I mean, it's a perfect way to honor John Madden in front of a national TV audience in the last possible game of week 18 of the NFL season. Uh, it's just going to be such an environment. I know the tailgate lots don't open for a little bit here. Uh, I'm hoping they open them earlier today. I've heard from a lot of people, uh, and they want to get out there. They want to get primed. They want to get ready for this game. And I agree with you, David, much bigger than 2016. And I'll tell you why. A couple reasons I want to delve in. I want to get your view on this. Number one is this is to get in the playoffs. The playoffs were already a foregone conclusion uh, when Derek Carr got hurt, right? So he didn't get to play in them, and, of course, we know what happened there. But secondarily, this is the biggest game in Derek Carr's professional life for so many reasons. Not only, number one, because to get his team in the playoffs, win and you're in. But also, David, I think that for all of the negative people out there who don't like Derek Carr, what's the one thing they use against him most consistently and, frankly, most fairly is that he doesn't win. And so now he's got the chance 
All he's got to do is go out for four quarters and lead his team to a win over this Charger team, and they're in the playoffs. He has the opportunity to kind of flip the script, doesn't he? Yeah, and uh, this is this is pretty crazy here because uh, I think outside of the off-the-field issues the Raiders are dealing with, I think Derek Carr faces the most scrutiny in the media out of anybody on this team. Right. And as, as, the, as, as the captain, as the leader, the guy in the locker room who the teammates are behind your back, he's got to go out and win games. I mean, it hasn't been pretty, but he's been doing it the past few weeks. And, yes. and they've found ways to do it all season long. I mean, what is it, four uh, – Four, ga- four games were decided on the final play. Four wins were decided on, on the final play of the game this season. Yep. So Derek Carr has been finding ways to win these games, even if it's been ugly and even if he hasn't been putting up numbers like he did earlier in the season. He's been finding ways to win. But I think, Scott, the huge thing here, the Raiders got to be smart with the ball. I mean, Derek mm-hmm. Carr has committed two-plus turnovers in four games in a row. Uh, he's got a career-high 19 this season. And it's it, that's the one that's the one blatant glaring issue the past few weeks is, is just being careless with the ball. So I think if Derek Carr is smart with the ball, if they don't give up these silly turnovers, uh, the Raiders got a real shot at winning this game. No doubt. And, and, and I want to I want to get back to that, because when you talk about how they've won ugly. So so what I hear from people, because, David, you know, because you've been on the show for a long time since we started it. Uh, uh, back on 1140 on CBS Sports Radio, and that is we've always been very fair with Derek Carr. We are, we're not a hater. We're not a stan. We are objective, right? And we talk about when he does well, we give him all the credit in the world, and when he doesn't do well, we point it out too. And I will tell you this, that these folks that that don't like Derek Carr, and no matter what he does, they don't like it. So, so what the knock that I just talked about was he doesn't win. He puts up all the numbers. Who cares about all the numbers? Oh, you're stat guys, blah, 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 right? Fine. Absolutely. He's got to win ballgames. So now he's won three in a row to get them into this position. And what do I hear? Oh, well, they're getting lucky. And he played a Browns team. It's like, you can't have it both ways. You either you either say that winning is the most important thing. So I think you're absolutely right, David, about the turnovers. Like, you can't turn over the ball. He's got to get better with that. And he's not been good with it this year. But they've won the games. Last week, he, he throws two picks, right? Two picks, one of them incredibly ugly. And and you look at that and you say, well, it's easy to criticize him. And, yes, he's got to cut down on it. But, David, they're finding ways to win. Look, I think this is huge for – this is a huge game for the Derek Carr haters, too, because <laughs> uh, they're, they're either going to love or hate this game because this could de- this game today, tonight, could define the future of the Raiders for many years to come. Interesting. I mean, they're – Derek Carr picks up a win. I mean, you get that. It's a contract year. This could be huge for the Raiders and Derek Carr. There's a lot of people who want to move on from Derek Carr. I think a win tonight and a playoff berth, I think that silences a lot of people, especially when you come into this position where kind of nobody expected this to happen. Uh, I, I mean, what an improbable run. And I think if you if you come in and you beat the Colts and you beat the Chargers, you got uh, Jonathan Taylor, who you could argue is having an MVP year, a MVP worthy year. You got Justin Herbert, who's second in the league in passing yards. Mm-hmm. You you go win against these guys back to back. I think you got a solid case for your future there. <laughs> I do too, and I, I think I was talking with with Mo Moten on our Southern California show on the Mightier 1090 on Friday. Uh, we both think he'll be back regardless, but I think you're right. I I said it too psychologically because uh, Derek Carr. 
when he speaks at press conferences, and this has been, I've mentioned this several times on this show over the last couple of years. He always talks about how he doesn't listen to the haters and he doesn't care about, or, but then in post game interviews, he'll say, Oh yeah, all those people who are talking this and talk. So clearly he says he doesn't listen, but he's clearly listening and he's listening closely. And, and that's fine. I, I'm not saying whether that's right or wrong, but he's got the opportunity now to cut that off, to your point. If, 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 if the, the, the criticism is there, you can't criticize the guy for taking his team uh, with what, what they faced this year, winning four in a row to end the season after you've collapsed the last two years at the end of the season to get in the playoffs. I don't understand. If, if people argue against that or they, they, they say negative things about Derek Carr after that, there's just no justification for it. Yeah, and look, this is a guy – He's in his eighth year with the Raiders, and now he's in the biggest spot of his career in primetime, Sunday night football, uh, playoff berth on the line. Uh, I, this is undoubtedly the biggest game of his career. But, I mean, you look at his history, he's got so many comebacks in, in the bag that you can't help but feel like uh, he's done a lot for this team uh, in the process. And I think he's only – 70 yards away from Rich Gannon's passing record. Right, right. right? He's only 70-something yards away from, from breaking Rich Gannon's passing record that Gannon set uh, back in 02 when they went to the Super Bowl. So, look, whether you love him or hate him, this is a guy whose name is going to be solidified in Raiders history, and he's going to break Gannon's record tonight. Yeah, I think he will tonight as well. And, and look, I mean, you look at it, and, and, and that's my point, is he's going to break all these records. He's broken records the last two years, the Stabler record, all that stuff. And, and that's fine, but the one thing he hasn't been able to do is get this team to the playoffs. So if he does that, then I think some of the people are going to either just go away or they're going to be quiet and they're going to understand and have an appreciation for it. Whether or not you think he's the best quarterback or a top quarterback, it doesn't matter. It's about winning in the NFL. And if he wins tonight down at Allegiant Stadium, then uh, a lot of those haters will have to be quiet. Now, one of the big reasons that I like them in the game tonight – it's going to be a close game. I picked the Chargers, and I'll talk about that at the end of the show, and I'll tell you why. Uh, and all the people who, for the last four years, have a bee in their bonnet because I grew up a Charger fan, and they like to remind me of it all the time, uh, it's not because I grew up a Charger fan. <laughs> it's, it's, and I'll give you the reasoning later. But I will tell you this. He gets Darren Waller back, uh, it appears, uh, for tonight's game, uh, without a setback that is between now and game time, uh, and and I'll tell you what Hunter Renfro uh, me, having an amazing year, over a thousand yards. Uh, he talk about breaking records. Uh, he's done a great job, especially with Darren Waller out. Without Hunter Renfro, this team would not be in the position it's in. But to get Waller back, even if Waller's not fully a hundred percent, they're going to have to account for Waller on the field, David. And I like that because this Charger defense is healthy for the first time, so they're at full strength for the first time since week one. But at the same time, he just presents such a matchup issue. And then you have Hunter Renfro doing so well. And then you have Josh Jacobs running the ball better. That bodes well for this Raiders offense. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. And look, there's a lot of questions around uh, Darren Waller's future regarding the Raiders. Uh, This could be his last game he plays uh, tonight for the Raiders. So I think this is a big game for his future as well. And like you said, it's it, the Raiders on offense. Hunter Renfro did great against Kenny Moore last week, one of the best right. backs in the league. And it doesn't get much easier tonight with uh, with tonight's matchup. Um, he's going to be facing Chris Harris. So th- that's one of the best slot defenders in the last few years. Yeah. So it's not going to be it, – it's no cakewalk for the Raiders, 
Prescott. And I think uh, Josh Jacobs, too, uh, I think he only had 63 yards last week against the Colts. It was quite uh, – he, he calmed down a little bit as opposed to that Broncos game. So there's a lot of questions here and there about how this Raiders offense is going to perform. I mean, it's it's been up and down. Is it going to be like the Browns and the Broncos? It's going to be a low-scoring game. Will they be able to put up numbers like they did earlier in the season? Look, yeah. let's look back at when this, these two teams played back in October. I was at that game at SoFi Stadium, and it was a pretty low-scoring game. The Chargers were up 21 nothing at halftime, and the Raiders couldn't find anything on offense. Mm-hmm. They really mm-hmm. got to go back and look at – look at some of that game tape and see what they can fix for tonight. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I, I like that. I like this game to start slow and I like it to pick up towards the end as, as those two quarterbacks uh, feel the pressure and, and need to score points uh, to, to make the playoffs. So we'll see, see how that goes, but it'll be interesting. Uh, we're going to step aside for our first break. We'll say goodbye to David. He's going to come back for the third segment. All right. When we come back, I'm going to be joined by the editor and founder of the L.A. Football Network. That is Mr. Ryan Dyrud. And Ryan, who's also uh, a colleague of ours down at the Mightier 1090, he's got the, uh, the L.A. Football Show on Friday nights right before Silver and Black tonight. He'll join us. He'll talk about the Chargers, where they're at, the, pro- the progress they've made, the latest on their roster. They have almost everybody healthy. Uh, they have a, one more guy on the COVID-19 list. We'll talk to him about that. He'll tell us why he thinks the Chargers are going to win, and if the Raiders were to win, why would they win against this Chargers defense? He's going to uh, break that all out for us here on Silver and Black Today Game Day. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this message. The big game tonight. Raiders, Chargers, playoffs on the line. Don't go anywhere. Raider Nation is fired up. It's Silver and Black Today Game Day. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, game day here on The Fan 98.5 in Las Vegas. Also, for our friends on the East Coast listening on 1140 The Bet in Las Vegas, we welcome you too. It doesn't get any better than this. We've been talking about it so far in the show that, of course, the game later today down in Allegiant Stadium, the Las Vegas Raiders hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, a playoff spot on the line. Whoever wins is are in. Yeah, and we already talked about the tie situation, which I don't think has any chance of happening, but you never know. Uh, and joining me to talk about the Chargers, uh, who are on an upswing and playing good football, is my good friend Ryan Dyrud. He is the editor-in-chief of the L.A. Football Network, also the host of the L.A. Football Show on the Mightier 1090 down in Southern California, where we do our Friday show. And you can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Dyrud. That's D-Y-R-U-D-L-A-F-B for Los Angeles Football network so ryan thanks for joining us man talking a little bit about the raiders and the chargers scott my man i really uh, appreciate you having me on excited it's a uh, it's gonna be a great game always a good one between these two teams as they are you know one of the best rivalry in all of sports i think and uh this week's gonna be no different with a playoff berth on the line so thanks for having me yeah no and it's 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 crazy to think because you know we had uh with the raiders this season as you know just just a mess and you and i talked earlier in the season uh before the first matchup between these two teams which of course the chargers won 28 to 14 and i really didn't think the raiders had any chance especially when they were in the throes of losing five of six to put themselves in a position 
to play for a game to get into the playoffs, let alone even be near it. So the fact that these two teams are playing, uh, and I know the Chargers had some battles themselves, but I look at them now, Ryan, coming in today's game uh, against the Raiders, they are the healthiest they've been probably all season. They have the defensive backfield back for the first time since week one. Tell me a little bit about this Chargers team, where they're at, and why they're poised perhaps to make a run in the playoffs. Well, that's just it, Scott. That's the best point we've kind of been talking about all week uh, over our mind of things about how, you know, this Chargers team in general has just been such an up and down team. It's like, which team are you going to see on Sundays? Um, I think they're a very well coached team, but it's, you know, it's a brand new coaching staff in all accords, you know, brand new DC, obviously brand new head coach. Joe Lombardi was an offensive coordinator at one point, but has been a QB coach back with the Saints for quite some time now. So essentially a new OC, second year quarterback. So there's just a lot of youth and inexperience in this team. But I think the biggest reason, even more so, is what you just alluded to, was just the health of this team. And mm. they haven't had that Chargers injury like in years past, like the season-ending injury. So they've been blessed in that account. But they haven't put together, specifically on defense, these same 11 guys, and even more so in the secondary, the same five guys week in and week <laughs> out. I mean, Derwin James and Nasir Adderley, their starting safety, I think have played all of maybe two games together. Right. Uh, it's like one of them is always out. And finally, those two will both be back together. This team is obviously different when Derwin James on the field. You know, he missed a, a three-game stretch there starting with the KC game. And, uh, you know, you get a healthy defensive line. Justin Jones, who I think, honestly, I know Joey Bosa's on the team, but I think Justin Jones mm. is the most important player on this defense, not named Derwin James. When he is on the field, that yard per carry average is about, you know, three or so per mm -hmm. carry when he's off the field it's over five so he wow. is integral to that run game and the fact they have close to all 11 starters back is huge for this big matchup and and that i think should be the storyline yeah i know kenneth murray was activated on monday so he's back uh and as you mentioned you have asante samuel jr michael davis chris harris derwin james nasser adderley all back and ready to go, which is huge uh, going in. How much has that done for the team from a, just from an overall confidence standpoint as far as getting all these guys back? It looks like Corey Lindsley will be back as well on the offensive side, the center for the Chargers. Um, how has that kind of lifted the spirits of this? I mean, they, they're already on an upswing. They're already playing well. But has that made a big difference, you think? Yeah, it's huge. Well, and, you know, you look back to two weeks ago when they had the really letdown loss to the Texans. Mm -hmm. And, kind of unforgivable loss. You know, it seems like every team in the league this year has one of those losses, which is kind of crazy. Even the the best of the best uh, have those losses. So it's it's not unknown around the NFL this year. But but one thing that I think wasn't talked about maybe nationally, I think we talked about it here in LA, is, you know, yeah, you're missing players, but so are the Texans. So, right, no excuse. But right. what comes down more to what you're missing is that leadership. And when you're missing guys like Dor Derwin, like Corey Lindsley on offensive line, like Joey Bosa, those aren't just star players, but those are your leaders at practice. Those are your leaders in the locker room. And when you're on the COVID list, not just injured, you're on the COVID list, you're not with the team, you're at home. Yep. So you don't have that leadership with you. So to answer your point, it's huge getting all these guys back just for the morale, just for the positivity, just for having those coaches on the field that when things are getting tough, when maybe things aren't going the way that they, they scripted in practice, now you have those leaders to say, okay, here's what we need to do to get back on track where they didn't have that against the Texans. Mm -hmm. And that's why they dropped such an ugly performance and they had it against the Broncos. And I know the Broncos were on the opposite end of that. And they were missing pretty much everyone. <laughs> the Chargers were the better team. They looked better. And I think that's huge for this week as a full week of practice being healthy mm -hmm. with all those guys able to go into Vegas for this huge primetime matchup. 
And uh, obviously the Raiders are going to be missing some guys. So it's going to be an interesting about what leadership really shines more on Sunday night. Yeah, it's a great point. Again, Ryan Dyrud, who's the editor-in-chief of the LA Football Network, also the host of the LA Football Show on the Mightier 1090, is our guest. And Ryan, I mean, I look at this team, and of course it starts, uh, the conversation usually starts with Justin Herbert, the second-year quarterback, had such a great rookie season. He's had some struggles this year, but one of the areas that I think he's improved the most by by listening to your show and reading the, the media down there in Southern California is this idea of processing and how he processes when he's on the field and looks through his progressions. Talk a little bit about why he's improved and why. Yeah, I mean, all young quarterbacks have their moments where they regress a little bit, but his progression in year two, what have you seen most out of Justin Herbert? Yeah, it's, you know, it's that that reining back the talent, which mm-hmm. sounds so weird to say, but <laughs> when you're a guy like Justin Herbert, like Patrick Mahomes, like Joe Burrow, um, you're this Ferrari of talent. And you want to display that. And it's not a cockiness. It's just like, hey, if I have the arm to do it, I want to do it. And you hear all the time when talking about Herbert, we see it in the, you know, the PFF uh, statistics and the, <laughs> the big time throws and analytics and stuff like that. And the media pumps this narrative of, of these guys need to be able to push the ball down the field, the aggressive playmaking, like the Chargers offense is holding him. Like there's been talk out here, Scott, a lot. I don't know if you've heard it, but throughout the middle of the season of the offense holding him back to a degree. Yes, like they're yes. not making him push the ball down the field, which was utterly false because there was play calling to do that. But against a quarterback like Justin Herbert, defenses are going to play two high safety sets to keep him from doing that. Like mm-hmm. these aren't dumb defensive coordinators. You're going to try to stop <laughs> this kid from throwing the ball. So I think to your point, why we've seen him improve is that he started to learn okay, you know what, I need to hone that in and take what the defense is giving me. If they're giving me this five, six-yard dump plays all game long, yeah, it's boring. Yeah, it doesn't display my talent, but it's going to win us the football game. It's not going to have me, you know, force mistakes. Um, And then we saw against, for instance, the Denver Broncos last weekend, who also run that two-high safety set with the Vic Fangio system, you know, all game long through three quarters, kind of dink and dunk, you know, take Mm -hmm. what they gave them. They didn't really step on the pedal there. And then in the fourth quarter, you know, Denver cheats in Mike Williams gets a big 57 yard touchdown pass to kind of seal the game. So that I think is where we've seen his true progression is the ability to step back from his talent and just take mm-hmm. what the defense has given him and progress in that regard, as opposed to just forcing these amazing type throws, but it also gets you in trouble sometimes. So that's been, I think the real progression of him and this offense. Yeah. I'm really interesting. And speaking of the offense, you know, the, the chargers had some trouble running the ball this season, but it seems like something changed in the second half of the season uh, with Lindsley probably coming back hopefully this week for them. Um, and, and we saw when he was out a little bit of the struggle there, but how much has that offensive line really gelled and come together this second half? What was, was there a defining moment? Was there a defining game where you felt like that running game? I mean, Austin Eckler, great running back, uh, a good guy on the field and off the field, a good leader for this team who's really shined. What was it with that running game where they were able to get it on track? Yeah, I think it was two things, Scott. And one, you mentioned the offensive line, you know, had some shuffling early on with injuries. Uh, they started off hot, like you mentioned. Ode Abushi, who mm-hmm. uh, was a huge signing, just a, a cheap one-year deal to play that that right guard position. Matt Filer as the left guard. Corey Lindsay as the center. So those were your three free agent acquisitions. Rashad Slater on the left. The hope was to get Brian Log on the right back from injury. Hasn't played a snap all year. So they, they <laughs> sub in XFL star Storm Norton, who kind of had a learning curve also. But having O'Day, he was really, really good in the run game. He goes down. They bring in Michael Schofield, who had some history with the Chargers, but hadn't, you know, he was in street clothes when he joined them. 
And so that was kind of that rough period when they were kind of getting him up to speed, trying to get that continuity back that was there before O'Day got hurt. So then you see them really coming together as a unit. So that's been one thing, I think, is, as you alluded to, the offensive line kind of coming together. But two, there was this thing, and this was just kind of the, uh, the coaching staff learning their players and also the coaching staff kind of learning themselves and how they, they you know, transition in and out of different uh, uh, play sets. Mm-hmm. And that meaning that obviously Austin Eckler is the unquestioned starter of the running back room. But there was a lot of questions of who was RB2. And nowadays in the NFL, especially with a guy like Austin Eckler, who's not necessarily a, yeah. a pound for pound, like three down back, like he's going to need to be spelled some just because of his size. Uh, and so they really didn't have that true RB2. They, they would rotate between Justin Jackson. They had Joshua Kelly. They had another rookie out of Missouri they took in the sixth round this year. So every game, it was like a different RB2 they were testing out. And they never really let them get their feet their footing really into a rhythm Mm. and now finally these last couple weeks justin jackson has really grabbed hold of that running back two position and even the week that austin eckler missed he was the rb1 and looked really solid so i think that coupled with the offensive line getting that continuity has kind of got the running game back on track yeah it really has it looked it's looked completely different uh when you look at this team and you look at brandon staley you know we talked about that i think the last time we we conversed was you know this is a guy who uh, has turned a lot of heads of course we had earlier in the season all of the hubbub around the fourth downs and and there he got a lot of criticism for it but i always looked at it as you know what sometimes we don't know what's going on in that locker room and sometimes coaches make decisions yes they're trying to win games and they're doing what they think is best but they also are making sure that their guys are behind them and they're win in the locker room how did so much of what Justin or Brandon Staley did during the beginning of that season and the the gutsy calls he made how much do you think that that solidified that locker room and him as that leader as a young new head coach I think it was huge Scott Uh, you know it, it goes into two things it's a it put a belief or it let the players know how much he believed in them And, you know, when you have a a first time head coach and, you know, you know, he's learning his own tendencies and what he feels comfortable with. And, and there's so much going on when you go from being a coordinator to a head coach that you're focusing on so many different avenues and outlets. And, and so a, that showed him that he grasped what being a head coach was in the sense of making decisions and being confident in them. And so I think that built confidence around the team, specifically the offense, because they said, okay, he trusts us to do our job and to Mm -hmm. convert these, but also on the defense going, well, he also knows that they don't convert, that it's our job now to make a stop, right? Especially if we're up against it, he trusts that we're going to either hold to a field goal or hold to a three and out and no points. And so it built this trust, but also it built an identity on this team. And it wasn't a, you see some coaches that go through, okay, well, they have a little stretch of going for it. And then they maybe are unsuccessful a few times. Then they, then they peel back and they go back to being conservative. Well, Staley has really not been that at all. You can say last week he was a little bit, go, you know, kicking field goals in the red zone. But when you play an offense like the Broncos, you just need points. So you don't, <laughs> you don't need to go for touchdowns there. So that's just smart coaching. But it built an identity. And this team now knows, and he has said many times in the media and press conferences, when you play the Chargers, you know we're here to compete, not to participate. And we're going for the win. And we're going for it on fourth downs. Get used to it. That's who we are. Mm. And so that identity, I think, has really emboldened and embodied this team. It's embodied this city. And I think people love it. And I know he gets criticized here and there. And you always will. Because if you don't get it right, people are going to cr- criticize you. But overall, I think it's been better. And it's, it's like I said, the identity of this team is something fun and exciting. And it's what needed to happen in this city of L.A. where the Chargers are you know, fighting for 
everything they can, not just on the football field, but, you know, within the city and fan base. Yeah. And that, that leads me to my last point I want to talk to you about was, you know, every time we talk to somebody from Southern California about the Chargers, uh, we talk about that, the, the, the rough move up there as far as fan base, the fact that you have to develop the fan base and even Vinny Bonsignor, who now is in Vegas covering the Raiders and a colleague uh, of mine on radio last year. When he first got here, he talked about the fact that, look, it might take a generation to fully develop a char- a massive Charger fan base because they're new and it just takes time. Uh, and, mm-hmm. of course, Raider fans, since you're on a Raider show, Raider fans love to make fun of the Chargers right now <laughs> because of that situation. But how, how much progress has been made, do you think? I mean, you've been covering these guys since they got there. Tell me a little bit about that and, and where you see progress and where they still have work to do. Yeah, you know, among the fan bases, I love the back and forth. It's fun, right? It's, sure, of uh, course. It's part of the it, game. It's fun. It's part of the game. It's part of the rivalry. And, you know, to their credit, Raiders fans, they, I mean, there's still a huge following here in LA. It's, it's you know, the, the fact that they were here, they haven't been here for, what, 25 years and <laughs> still have the following. Yes. It's just impressive to what Raider Nation is. So you got to, we got to, you know, shout that out and give credit where credit's due. But Charger fan base is absolutely growing in here. The thing that frustrates me, Scott, about this topic, and it's always going to be talked about for at least probably the next five years still, is that nationally there is still this narrative that there is not just a small fan base, but a, a no fan base. Right. It's like nationally, for some reason, the discussion on it, which just isn't true. When you're here, I, I gauge a lot on you know training camps and stuff like that where you're not selling things, just actually fans showing up. And Chargers have phenomenal attendance at training camp compared to other thir- the other 31 teams in the NFL. They have a growing fan base among the youth, um, among like in Orange County, in the inner cities and schools and stuff. They've really done a good job building it up. So overall, it's building. It's still going to take time. You still have to win. But the fact that they have a great young head coach is exciting. They have a second year quarterback that's going to be here for the next 15 years uh, as a face of the league is a huge help as well. And then, you know, just staying on the right track. And and last thing I'll say in, in terms of just home sales and tickets and stuff. And I'm sure Vegas fans are starting to learn this too. Now with the Raiders being in a destination, like Las Vegas is, you know, the NFL is a traveling league. Now yeah. it's, it's not what it was 10 years ago where you had three or four fan bases that traveled. Now it's a traveling league, regardless of who the fan base is, you pick four or five cities a year. It doesn't even matter if it's a destination city, green Bay, people want to go to Lambeau field and experience a game at Lambeau. Like New York, people want to go to New York and be in the big apple and see the giants or the jets. So no matter what, the Rams have this problem too, not just the Chargers. There's going to be opposing fans that show up here at SoFi because it's one of the greatest stadiums in the world. It's one of the greatest cities in the world. It's 65 and sunny in January, so why wouldn't you want to be here? <laughs> so that, I think, is a, is a misnomer in the fan base. I think the fan base is growing. Still has ways to go, but it's growing in the right way, and they've built it the right way in the long term and not doing these, these shoddy short-term band-aid fixes, I think. Well, and it's interesting too. You mentioned the traveling. I was in. I was at the Cincinnati Bengals uh, Baltimore Ravens game in Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago, and mm-hmm. and Raider fans have have been, especially Raider fans from the Bay Area, particularly, have been complaining about all the visiting fans at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. So I'm glad you said that because that was my point to them. Because with all due respect to those people, and 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 I know that they love their team and they travel to see their team um, because they're all over California is if you haven't been to many other stadiums, you might not know that, right? I was, yeah. Indi- I was in Indianapolis week one to see the Seahawks and the Colts. Same thing, ton of Seahawks fans. Like your point about a traveling league 
especially, I mean, Indianapolis is not a destination city, but it's a regional city. So people, if you're a fan of the Seahawks and you live in Chicago, or if you're a fan of the Seahawks and you live in Kansas City, you're going to go because that's the closest they're going to get to you. So, yeah. so I absolutely agree with that. And it's interesting to hear too, that that's happening in Los Angeles. All right, Ryan, the game later tonight uh, on national television, of course, this game, I mean, you don't need any hype, right? But then you got the Joey Bosa, Derek Carr back and forth a little bit which they seem to both be kind of playing down a little bit, which I think is smart. Um, but these two teams have such a great history. Al Davis got his start in the NFL with the Chargers, of course, uh, under Sid Gilman. So there's a long, long history there. Um, I, I've already heard you on a couple other shows talk about how you think the Chargers are going to win this game. Tell me why you think that's true. And then second, tell me what would have to happen for the Chargers to lose the game in your mind. Yeah, yeah. Um... I think it's going to be a, a battle, a hard-fought game no matter what. Uh, even the first game, like, the Chargers jumped off 21-0, and then the, the Raiders came storming back and at least made it interesting till the end there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my biggest thought, Scott, on this game particularly is, you know, I, I've said it a few times now if anyone else listens to other radio shows that I've been on, but I've been so impressed with how the Raiders have just held this season together. Yeah. Everything that's gone on. And I don't cover the team every day like you do, but just from the outside looking in, I mean, what happened with Gruden? coaching change there, Henry Ruggs, now Nate Hobbs, mm-hmm. all these outside influences being in Vegas for the first time with fans. Obviously, I know they were there last year, but all this stuff going on and still to be able to not only pull up nine wins, but win three straight, basically since every game's been a playoff game for them in the last three weeks. And I just think all that will finally kind of come to a head and pad on pad that the Chargers are healthy now. I think the Chargers are the more talented team. And I think all that stuff finally catches up to the Raiders. The Chargers have a a clear head, really nothing going on outside of football for them. And so I just think uh, that, and then on top of that, having Justin Herbert, no discredits Derek Carr, who I think is a very, very good quarterback in this league, deserves a lot more credit than he typically gets. I know he Mm -hmm. started off real hot and kind of tapered a little bit, but I think he's a great leader, great quarterback. But I I don't think anyone here would really argue that Justin Herbert is probably the better talent at this point. So I think that coupled everything going on is why I'm taking the Chargers. For them to lose, I mean, it's it would have to come down, I think, to Jake, Josh Jacobs and your running game just mm. completely exposing the Chargers' rush defense for what it was weeks one through four. They've yeah. cleaned it up a lot since weeks one through four. I mentioned how important Justin Jones is to that rush defense. So as long as they stay within themselves like they've been since then, I think they're solid. But if they give up 190 like they did in those first few weeks, <laughs> then, then it could get interesting and it could be a Raiders win. Great point. As always, great to hear the perspective of the man who put together the L.A. Football Network. That is Ryan Dyrud. Ryan, thanks, man, and we'll talk to you again real soon. Appreciate you, Scott. Be well, all right? Thanks so much. Well, there you have it from the Los Angeles Charger perspective. Ryan Dyrud, you can follow him on Twitter, at Ryan, D-Y-R-U-D-L-A-F-B. We're going to take a break. When we come back, our Raider Nation Padawan, yes, our Radio Padawan, that is one Mr. David Stepanian. He'll join me for the last segment. We're going to talk about the Raider game tonight. Some of the action, if you're putting a little dough, a little scratch behind the game and betting, we're going to talk to David about that. We'll also break down our thoughts on the game tonight. Win and you're in. If you lose, it's going to hurt like a big, big bruise because it's going to take time to get over that. But that's what you want. Raider Nation, your biggest game since 2016 is at hand tonight. Allegiant Stadium. We'll be back to talk more about it here on the Silver and Black Today game day, only on the fan in Las Vegas.
where the nation rallies every week of the NFL season. It's Silver and Black Today, Game Day. Welcome back. Silver and Black Today, Game Day. Uh, Can you wait any longer? No, you can't. You wish game time was like in five minutes, right? You're back here on Silver and Black Today, Game Day, as we count down to tonight, the big game, 5.20 p.m. down at Allegiant Stadium, Sunday night football. The Las Vegas Raiders host the Los Angeles Chargers. The playoffs on the line, win and you're in, lose and you snooze. Big, big game. Scott Branson, David Stepanian with you, talking to you. Make sure, by the way, you follow us on Twitter, SNB Tonight, uh, where you can find that. Also, the website, silverandblacktonight.com. You can find an archive of all of our shows there. So our Southern California show on the Mightier 1090, which is on Friday nights at 6 p.m. Uh, you can also find this show. Once we're done, this is uploaded, so you can find it there. You can also listen to us live on this show, the Odyssey app. Uh, that is free, whether you're on Android or iPhone, so check it out. Uh, but we're here to talk about it. We're also going to talk about, hey, should you put some of your hard-earned money on the game today? Of course, we got to talk about that, right? you got to talk about Scratch and whether or not uh, it's worthy on this game. So David is our guy in that space. So David, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit. We're going to talk about the game as we close out the show here in a few minutes. But I want to talk about the betting angle here. You look at this game, it's the final regular season game, so I don't know that we'll see line movement between now and tonight, uh, but you look at this thing, and and it's going to be a close game. What's the latest on the line uh, as we talk tonight uh, and as we prepare for the, sh- for the game tonight? Uh, what's the latest line and, and over-under on this Chargers-Raiders game? So this is this is actually really interesting because right now uh, the Chargers are minus three and the over/under sits at fifty. But I really do think a, a lot of Raiders fans coming in between now and kickoff. Uh, this is kind of like I was at the Las Vegas Bowl a couple of weeks ago, uh-huh. and a lot of Wisconsin fans a few hours before the game. Uh, that number for Wisconsin Arizona State it went from Wisconsin minus six all the way to Wisconsin minus eight. Wow. So I think something, and, and that, and that came ended up uh 20 to 13 final score Wisconsin won. So, uh, you know, that sucks if you, if you bet late on, on Wisconsin minus eight, but I think something <laughs> similar is going to happen tonight where a lot of Raider fans coming into that town yesterday and today, and they're going to drive this number off of three. I think it goes down to maybe two and a half or two, um, and that's going to be huge because I think this is going to be a close game. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually like the Raiders plus three. I think that's a really good number uh, at home, and I, I like the under 50 points. But let me let me tell you why. The first game, uh, and I don't want to put a ton of stock into that first game at SoFi Stadium because the landscape of the Raiders has changed so much since that Monday night game three months ago. Yes. Um, but I, I think this this game tonight kind of reminds me of uh, 10 years ago, back in 2011, when Carson Palmer was QB for the Raiders. <laughs> they ended they, – they, they were in this same exact spot as they were tonight. Uh, they had – they played the Chargers at home, playoff berth on the line. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> well – what happened in that game was uh, Philip Rivers ended up throwing 310 yards, and the San Diego Chargers beat the Oakland Raiders 38 to 24, and Tim Tebow's Broncos ended up going to the playoffs instead. 
that year also interesting to coincide with this the Raiders lead the league in penalty yards this season Mm -hmm. uh the 2011 Raiders set the all-time record for penalties so there's a lot of parallels between 10 years ago and and now will history repeat itself do the Chargers win tonight uh a lot of the stats say that's the most likely thing that's going to happen. I like the Raiders, though. I think this is a great spot for them, especially uh, at home. As sad as this may sound, I think this is going to be the biggest home field advantage they've had at at Allegiant all year. And uh, I kind of, as a season ticket holder, being at pretty much every game, uh, I feel like there were more Raider fans at SoFi Stadium Hmm. three months ago than than most of the games I've been at this year at, at Allegiant Stadium. So if they had like a 70, 75% advantage at SoFi, I think, I think this is going to be a complete blackout. And I think the crowd is going to be huge. Yeah. You make a good point. Ryan, uh, Ryan in our last segment, uh, Ryan Dyrud, who, who talked about that. Cause I asked him about the charger situation in Los Angeles with the fan base and all that kind of stuff. And he brought up the good point, which is look, the NFL is now a traveling league. And I recognize this. I was in Cincinnati two weeks ago at the Bengals, uh, the Bengals game against the Baltimore Ravens. About 25% of the crowd, Baltimore Ravens. This is a team, the Bengals, who were a win away from winning the division. All they had to do was beat Baltimore for the first time in six years to win a division title, and 25% of the crowd was Baltimore fans. Uh, I was in Indianapolis week one for the Colts versus Seahawks, and the same thing there is more like 15%, but there was a large contingent of Seattle fans. So it's happening all over. And then you add in Vegas. I mean, Indianapolis is no Las Vegas. I mean, who the heck wants to go to Indianapolis <laughs> versus Las Vegas, right? Not Nothing against Indianapolis. It's just a different kind of place. So, so to me, you're right. I think the Raiders will have a better home field advantage. But looking at the line, at minus three, I can see it because the Raiders have not been good at home since the move to Las Vegas. Uh, and so when you when you think about the people setting the lines, David, it makes sense, right? Because you're going to go with the team you think has the better talent. You're going to look at the trends and all of that. And the fact that the Raiders still, even though they've won three in a row, their offense has not been on track. So, so I understand your feeling about the under 50, I'm going to say it's going to go over that by nine points. You know why? I think actually the Raider offense will wake up a little bit with Darren Waller back with some confidence with them having a true home field advantage. I like the Chargers to still win at 31-28. So I think it's going to be a little high scoring, but I think it's going to start really slow. And the under for folks like you who bet the under, they're going to love the first half. But then I think the second half is where it blows open as these teams feel the pressure. Because unlike 2011, both these teams can win and they're in. Right? It's not just one or the other. It's it's they they both can win if if they excuse me they get in if they win. Uh, And so I think that's the big difference. But but it's fascinating to know that. What about the prop? One of the props that that I was asked about this week, and I kind of like it, despite some of the things you mentioned earlier, is uh, Josh Jacobs over under 53 yards rushing. I like uh, with the with the Charger defense back to full strength. They still are susceptible a bit to the run. And so I like Jacobs over 53. What do you think? Well, it's it's funny you say that. I I like I love like is not a strong enough word. I love Josh Jacobs over fifty three yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last two games he's combined for nearly two hundred yards total. Yeah. Uh, but you want to look back at a few months ago when these two teams played. The Chargers did a great job stopping Josh Jacobs. He only had forty yards in that game. And even last week, um, 
the Chargers contain Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams to, I think, combined 70 yards, both mm-hmm. of them combined. And those guys have been great in Denver as a tandem all season long. But Josh Jacobs, I feel like, has found a little bit of a rhythm since Denver, and he looked really good in spots last week, too. Uh, I, I like the over. I definitely like the over for Josh Jacobs. I think 53 is, is it's a low number. I think yeah. that's more in line with what we were seeing a few weeks ago, but uh, if the makers aren't putting the last two weeks into account, I would take advantage of that and take the over. Yeah, and I like the, the Raiders' offensive line. I mean, the right side's still kind of a mess, uh, but but overall, they've played better. Andre James, the center, has played much better, and so they've they've made some progress there, so I think that that'll give uh, the opportunity for Jacobs to, to hit well, that number. Well, well, I got a bonus one for you, too. Uh, Justin Herbert, his over-under is set at 276 yards. Mm. Uh, he threw 222 yards in their last meeting back in October. He's gone under 276 in three of the last four games. I like the under on Justin Herbert, too, under 276 wow. yards, just as a bonus. Yeah, that that's an interesting one. Uh, but that, that's why we talk about it. It's fun. This is all good fun uh, to be able to do that. So you can hit it up on your we're, app. We're trying to help them win money. We're, that's we're right. Trying to help the people with money. Here. <laughs> give our best. That's give right. Our best insight. Do our part of the work. <laughs> that's right. Uh, for the va- final four or five minutes we got left here with the folks uh, on Silver and Black today, game day here on the Fan in Las Vegas. David, want to talk about the game, the keys to this game. Uh, want to get your take for you know for the Raiders to win this game. What are the two things they got to do in order to to escape this season with all of the turmoil and actually make it into the playoffs for the first time in five years? Oh, that that that's easy. What what I one one the big one. What I touched on a little earlier was they got to take care of the football. I mean. There, there, there's going to be once this season's over. There's going to be a YouTube video on the silly <laughs> mistakes they've made all season long, just being careless with the ball. That's one and two, and and, and it hasn't that hasn't gone any better during this three game win streak either. By the way, uh, and two red zone scoring. Yeah. The red zone scoring is still a big issue with this team. Uh, they're third to last in red zone efficiency this year whereas the chargers are eighth best in red zone efficiency they get they get touchdowns uh, about two-thirds of the time in the red zone the chargers do uh the red the the raiders are going to need to do two things they're going to need to stop the chargers attack in the red zone which is going to be really difficult to do with uh justin herbert keenan allen i mean justin herbert's great at spreading the ball and finding an open receiver it's going to be tough to do that's why they're so good in the red zone but if they can find a way if Hobbs is playing, which is huge. Uh, Casey Hayward, too. If they can find a way to stop the Chargers, maybe force some field goals, uh, if they can do that and if they can also figure out the red zone issue, if they can maybe find Hunter Renfro, Waller is back, those are going to be hu- those two guys are going to be huge in red zone scoring. Yeah, no doubt about it. By the way, the Chargers' red zone and goal line defense – Second in the league. They've been very good uh, stopping teams from scoring, which is does not bode well for the Raiders who've had trouble in the red zone. But I agree. I'm going to give you my keys to this game for a Raider victory, and I think it goes to some of the things you were talking about, but time of possession. Turnovers, no no question. you got to win that game. you got to win that every game you play. But I think time of possession. I think that's why the running game or a combination of the running game and short passes – Sorry, I had to burp. Uh, the, or short pat. Sorry, the combination of short passes and the running game 
which is why the the Hunter Renfro streak has been so great for them. They got to they got to keep Herbert off the field. Yes, he's not Patrick Mahomes. Don't get me wrong; it's not that bad. But you want to be able to dominate the clock, especially at home. Get that team uh, down the field and matriculate as much as you can, as slow as you can, and then to your point, in the red zone. That's my second key: red zone scoring. So if you're going to run clock and you're going to have longer drives, then you can't get three. You got to get six if you want to make the playoffs. So those are my my two keys of the game. And you talked about this going under, and you like that the Raiders are plus three, but give me a prediction. What are you thinking this game is going to end up at? Uh, I, man, this is tough this one. is a really tough game because as, a, as, as someone who loves this team, grew up in L.A., uh, this, the Raiders have been in this spot so many times and they always end up on the losing side. It just seems like something different is going to happen tonight. So uh, Hunter Renfro, another quick set I want to touch on that's going to be crucial tonight. Hunter Renfro's got 99 catches on the year. He's eight shy of Darren Waller's record, a franchise record set back in 2020 last year. So will Hunter Renfro break that record with Waller back? I'm not entirely sure, but if Renfro gets a lot of catches, if he gets a lot of big yardage plays, uh, I, I could see the Raiders winning this game. Uh, I like, 24-21, Raiders. All right, there you go. 24-21 is a prediction. I gave mine 31-28, Chargers. But I'm also doing that because I'm, I'm hoping to, to, to jinx the Chargers and so the Raiders win because I would love to talk about a victory in the playoffs and have that on the show. All right, David, we're out of time, my friend. Thanks. Enjoy the game tonight. Have fun. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. All right, for David Stepani and I'm Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today Game Day. Folks, have a great day. Have a great night out of Allegiant Stadium. Boy, is it going to be fun. Raider Nation is going to be on fire. We'll be back here next week to talk about it on Silver and Black Today Game Day. Have a great night, Raider Nation, and let's go.